Jim Shoemaker, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. You know, whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and welcome to today's program. Well, you know, one of the biggest concerns that we have with a lot of times is you're caught in that, we call it the sandwich generation, and that's a generation that a lot of you, I know, has a problem, but, but we all we kind of look through this issue and say, well, it's really not going on in my household, but reality, it is. You have those young children at home, and you know either already it's there or it's coming. You have the problem of the older generation also that you may have to be taken care of. And the reality is that's that sandwich where you're young kids and old kids. I'm saying that graciously. The reality is you're having to take care of your parents or your grandparents, and you hadn't planned for it. Well, what do you do? It can be a tough decision or an easy decision, and the lady that's going to help us this morning is going to share with us ways to make it an easy to de- an easy decision. Her name, Margaret Lawrence. She is the founder and CEO of Serving Our Seniors. We call it SOS. Margaret, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim. So Lady, I just here. tell you, there's so much that you do, and you, I mean, I've known you for a long time, and I just appreciate the fact that what you do is really help that individual who's going through that process of trying to figure out something. So can you kind of give us some insight? I mean, SOS, Serving Our Seniors, I like the name. I've always liked the name. But I know you guys are really, truly dedicated to helping someone have a quality of life at this stage of their life, at that last years of their life. So tell me what SOS is really based on. Um, we, we want to care for our seniors. Um, as you know, people just need a little more help as they get older, and sometimes it's just a few hours a day. Mom may have be having arthritis or dad may be having back issues, and they just need a little assistance, and it's good for someone to notice that, and it's usually the kids when they come visit and they see that something's not getting done around the house it usually is. So it's just a, our heart is with taking care of people until they go on to heaven. Well, that's the key right there. I love what you say. Your heart is there to take care of people until they go on to heaven. The reality is you're really coming alongside and customizing a program for that person in their life, whether it's one hour, two hours a day, or it's four or five hours a week. I mean, a, you know, from a standpoint, a day seven. per week, yep, yeah. seven days a week. It's yeah. up to that point. Let me read you the mission statement. I want you to listen to this. The reality is, here's to think with me, to keep our seniors, senior clients active, self-reliant, big word, and excited about life. I, I'm going to stop there. I just recently went through a program with some people. They were talking about once that excitement of life begins to diminish, that psychologists are telling you just almost set the date 
and uh, where you will literally no longer want to live. And so excitement of life is important. Excitement about life as they remain in their own homes. And again, so important. So that mission statement is defining two things right off the top. The excitement of life and staying in that environment that they know so well versus being picked up and moved completely. to Now, sometimes it's okay to do the movement, but poor most people want to stay at home. Correct. <clears throat> so many people, we just start off with a little bit. Um, we can, what makes SOS different is we can customize things. We've mm. got a handyman if things need to be fixed around the home. Um, we've got caregivers that have a heart for going to Bible study, taking people to church, staying with the regular program when clients may not be able to drive anymore, but let us pick that up and go with you or get you to activities that you used to do. And and now with, you know, just opening up, moving around and keeping that going keeps you active and excited about life and going to swim classes or whatever it is whatever you're doing right let's being keep able it going to continue that sometimes you just need a little push or a little let's go for a walk well someone may just need someone right beside you while they take a walk and just getting outside and getting some sunshine makes a world of difference i like what you say in the rest of your mission statement it says sos will not only respect and honor our clients, but also use the utmost discretion, assisting our seniors with their personal issues in their day-to-day activities. I, I'm hearing the heart. And SOS, if you just tuned in, my guest is Margaret Lawrence. She is the founder and CEO of Serving Our Seniors. Now, it doesn't take you long, if you're listening and understand, she's got a you know, very passionate heart. And you can sense it as you talk to her. You can sense it as you just listen to her, what she's saying. She's very interested in the quality of life, that fact that she's helping someone to continue to have that exciting life. That's important. But I have to ask you this, Margaret, and I know so many people think it doesn't happen. But abuse today, especially with the pandemic, has just become more and more prevalent in homes, sometimes intentional, sometimes just not even realizing that it's really abuse. Can you help us define abuse and what do you see and how do you try to help? Yeah, Um, it's usually when someone gets a little too close to the client or it it could be a family member, it can be a caregiver, it can be a neighbor. Um, We've had neighbors ask clients to pay their taxes for them because they bring their newspaper in every day so you know it's just that that would be considered abuse in my mind (laughs) Uh, you know yeah so it's a delicate dance the clients usually they're very grateful to have any sort of assistance wherever it's coming from but there's a balance to what is appropriate and what's not and that's difficult, isn't it? That's that, identifying that. So you're, you've got trained professionals. Let's talk about the reality of, of selecting someone to come in like SOS. What would you say to the person listening? Here's some criteria for you. Here's what you need to be thinking. I know one of them that you talk about, are they licensed with the state? What right. are some of the others? Yeah, uh, background checks and drug tests. Um, we we try to intentionally pray about all our clients we and we if we have a little time we try to match up personalities and likes um 
the other day we were hired to read the Bible to a client. It was just a few hours a day. What, you know. What a, wow, what an inspiration. Right. Yeah, that's, that's you know, so the, important. The family was so scared about who, who are you going to send, who are you going to send in the first, you know, few minutes. They're like, can we have her more? <laughs> so, <laughs> so can, can she go on trips? Can she can do she, this? Right. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. So, so it's, just, it's just being there. So you're going through that. You do your homework with the person. You interview them. Um, let's suppose I've interviewed somebody, and this is not – I don't particularly care for that person. Do I just simply say, Margaret, I want to interview somebody else? Is that yeah. how easy it is? Well, it's not e- – you even interviewing if it's just not clicking you just let us know and we trade out okay yeah okay so 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 you can remove a person and have someone you don't just say okay this is you know just this is the best we can do I mean because you might say well this is a really good person but it just doesn't click with my dad or click with my mom yeah so you have discretion and you just keep talking with you guys right to work it out so you don't have to deal directly with a situation to why someone's not being scheduled somewhere we deal with that that's a great idea if you would like i mean i I think it's important for people to realize i mean this is this is a tough decision for a lot of people and you know it it, you whether you like it or not um you want to make sure that that person that you love is at that point in life really getting all the things that you want them to get and this is so critical as you pick someone to do that with. Um, I, I, let me give the telephone number out for SOS okay. because I think it's important. If you'd like to talk to Margaret, her telephone number is 861-1199, 861-1199. Just give Margaret a call because I really feel like so many times we are looking for someone, we just don't know where to start. And I think the fact that you're telling me the reality is going out, ask questions, do some research, pay, I mean, don't just take your first person look, be willing to do the research. This is not just a slam dunk. And that's right. what I like for like right. for everybody to know. We're going to take a break here in a few minutes. And I guess I want when we come back, I want to find out some of the specific things that I know you do. And I know that you're able to put things together. Let me just ask this question. Give me a couple of those things before we take the break. What are, Take the person to the doctor for a doctor's appointment, grocery shopping, things like that. Correct. Um, we can, with the pandemic, we have a hair lady that can go to the house to make house calls. So there's, we, there's a variety of different things we can do, companionship. Um, we have a home maintenance gentleman that can come out and fix things around the home. If, if whatever they particularly need we try to make happen we've we've taken people to see their family out of town um we just the list goes on and on it's what about the family that here's mom here or dad here and the kids are now in spokane washington i mean is there communication there that's something that we get told a lot that that our communication with adult children is great um and they're why we didn't call you a year earlier because that they didn't realize mom couldn't take a shower or she was scared to or so things like that we pick up on pretty quickly when we're in the home where the kids if they're not in town they don't realize mom's having trouble fixing a meal or if they're by themselves a lot of times they don't eat well wow that's so good 
If you just tuned in, my guest is Margaret Lawrence, founder and CEO of Serving Out Seniors. I'll give that number to you again later on in the program. Margaret, thank you so much for being here with us today. I just feel like I know there's somebody there, and that's important. Thank you so much for allowing us to hear. Amen, lady. Thank you so much. I love the fact that you would take somebody just to read the Bible. Her mission statement, let me give it to you, to keep your client, our senior clients sort of active, self-reliant, and excited about life. That's an amen. Well, we'll be back in just a minute. We've got some a great program coming up. What do you do with all the commercials that are telling you to buy gold or silver or real estate? Well, stay with us. We're going to talk with someone that's going to help us understand. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Securian Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Margaret Lawrence or serving our seniors. The views and opinions expressed are those of Margaret Lawrence only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Well, welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We've been talking with Margaret Lawrence, and she's done a great job. Let me just remind you, you can reach out to Margaret at 901 861 1199. And of course, she was so great to telling us to do your homework and to interview people to find out who's going to be the caregiver for that loved one. And you kind of get caught in that sandwich generation. And she's saying, take the time, spend the energy, and then know that you always have a say so who's taking care of you. Her telephone number again, 861 1199. Well, here's what I want to talk about now. This is a Big, big issue. Recently, we had somebody in the office to call us and, you know, a potential person was referred to us and they said, you know, you need to talk to this guy. This guy has all of a sudden got caught up into not a scam, as we sometimes we talk about, not a scheme or anything, but he had been listening to commercials about buying gold and he had gotten all of a sudden going from a small investment to literally I mean, way more than he should have invested. He just got caught up into the, I guess, the frenzy of the fear of everything that goes on. So I have asked Scott Jordan, certified financial planner, of course, he's on the show with me a lot, does a great job. And I said, Scott, we saw this. He was in the meeting when we were talking to this person. And I just felt for this guy. I mean, I really, really did. It was like, what can we do? Well, again, we couldn't. It was all very legitimate, I mean, right up to the edge, but the reality, there was nothing to be done. This guy had spent a lot of money, and he had bought something that was going to be very tough for him to get his money back, and as he realized this, he had overpaid for it. Well, Scott's got so much information about this, so Scott Jordan, welcome to the program, sir. It's great to be here, Jim. Well, you know, Guy, I just have to tell you, I, you know you know exactly who I'm talking about with my introduction to the program. Fear, anxiety, media-driven. And that's what the case was in this situation, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I would just say, you know, for all of us, you know, however we stay informed, whether it's, you know, watching cable news networks, uh, podcasts, websites, radio, all of it well-intended providing a valuable service, but sometimes listening to all the news about wars, civil unrest, politics, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, the crashing economy, things about the stock market, 
these kind of stories can cause anxiety and fear. Um, Dr. Stephen Stonesy even has coined the term, he's a psychologist, a doctor in psychology, he's coined the term headline stress disorder. And I think that says it all. Basically, you know, this grueling news cycle can trigger intense feelings of worry and helplessness. Especially if you're listening to it all day. Exactly. Exactly. You know, a a survey by the APA recently found that stress had actually increased for the first time since they've been doing the survey back uh, from 16 to 17. So, and they also found that seven in 10 adults agree with the statement that the media tends to blow things out of proportion. Uh, but over half of them still want to stay informed, even though they know that may cause them anxiety and fear. You know, when you think about that, and this particular guy, I mean, now this is an intelligent individual. He just made the phone call because every time he listened to that particular commercial, it was like, you got to call, you got to call. And, and it respectful. I'm not knocking the commercial, I'm not knocking the actor. None of that's what I'm saying. It's just he heard it so many times, and he finally said, well, I'll make the call. Once he made the call, he was hooked. Uh, they stayed right. after him and stayed after him and stayed after him. Now, listen, folks, what we're trying to say is just beware. Be a, be a, be a sensitive to it because if they get you in that stressful moment, then you've got the potential to make some maybe not so good decisions. That's why we're talking about that. I mean, media headlines. Let me read you one that I just picked up this morning from a research company that Scott, you and I look at all the time, but let me read it to you and see what you think about it. It says, when the coronavirus pandemic was declared a national emergency on 313 of 2020, that's just recently, over one year since that announcement, Monday, of course, this is, this is talking about this whole idea of the S&P 500 has gained 48%. Now, everybody knows you can't invest in the S&P 500. It's just an index. It's a marker. S&P has gained 48% this time last year. Here's the other part of the, here's the rest of the story. It, it's in spite, ready, in spite of a horrible, and that's the headline, 12% loss. Now, I would have put an adjective or somewhere about this <laughs> phenomenal gain of 48, but they didn't do that. They said the horrible 12% loss. So you know headlines are designed to keep your eyes there, keep your ears there. Thoughts, Scott, what do you think about this when you say media headlines, stories causing stress, what do you say? Well, you know, I, I saw one recently, you know, I saw a few recently. One of them was fears mount about inflation's return with a vengeance. You know, that, <laughs> yep. that was a popular. And then stocks slump as inflation fears overtake economic recovery hopes. So you hear things like this. And, and you know, we, we, we talk about this uh, study a lot by Kahneman and Tversky, their prospect theory, where they've, they've kind of discovered that people – People tend to feel loss or feel financial loss and pain from that twice as much as they feel the gains or the joy from those gains. So these types of headlines are designed to attract attention, and they work. Well, that is, the, I mean, it's all about getting your eyes to come back and to come back and to come back. Do you find that, that this idea of the, the, the actor that's 
part of it or maybe the, the person that's, that's talking about it, all of that, does that get into this idea? Does, do you think that adds credibility to the program? I mean, why, does, why do we get caught up in it? Is it the news or is it the person telling to us? I think it's a little bit of both. I think definitely that actor or that familiar face can can provide some familiarity and, and maybe even some comfort, especially if it's one of your favorite actors, uh, even though they may have no particular expertise in investments or gold or whatever it is they are uh, advertising about. That tends to be that tends to be the case. But the one of the things that has really arisen in recent times that makes it even more difficult to stay away from this kind of stuff is this idea called native advertising. Okay, uh, I want you to, that's that what deal? I want you to hold on to. I was hoping you'd get there. Okay. Native ad, I want to talk about that when we come back. Native advertising. <laughs> that is such a term. I just thought that I really want to know what is native advertising. Very important. We're going to talk about gold when we come back. You're listening to Jim Shoemaker on KWAM, and this is Talk Money. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. My guest is Scott Jordan, certified financial planner, and we're talking about what is the media talking about? (laughs) I mean... The reality is there's just so much noise. I mean, he talked about fear. I mean, the whole idea of anxiety, how you can watch any media, any television. It just goes on and on, and you spent the whole day doing that. Well, guess what? By the time you say, okay, am I fearful? Am I stressed out? Well, he's talked about some of those cases where 7 out of 10 adults that literally the media blows it out of proportion, but I'm going to continue to listen to it because I want to be informed. And yet it creates that anxiety and stress. Now, Scott, you mentioned something before the break, and I think it's critical for people to understand it. Headlines and stories, and it's called native advertising. That's a tremendous term. What is native advertising? Well, I mean, these days, native advertising, Jim, is everywhere. Native advertising, in a sense, is paid content. It can be articles, infographics, videos on a video site, and that paid content will really align with the publisher's or site's editorial style, and it'll provide the kind of information that the publication's audience typically expects from that site or publisher, so that can make it difficult to spite, but this, this difficult to spot. This content is designed to market products, but yet it blends in with everything else so well that it can seem like part of the story. So it, it say it's hard to spot. I mean, you really don't know if it's so. So they know they've figured out what you want, and they're going to feed you that information. Yeah, and, and the content, again, is written by the marketing company or marketing firm, but it, it may even be recent news. It may, it, it's going to blend in so well with the content that it's very hard to spot. It's a little, it's a little different than those advertorials that you've seen that kind of look like news stories, but you can really tell they're a marketing piece. This is a little more blended in with the, with the publisher's content. 
and it can it can be difficult to uh, suss out and spot. Um, half of all consumers have no idea what that is, and yet three out of four publishers offer some form of native advertising. So it's very important to to understand that that is a concept and that is out there. So ninety percent of all publishers either have this native content or plan to launch native advertising campaigns in the near future. You know, the old adage, buyer beware, or, or, you know, if it looks too good to be true, it probably isn't. So all of those things are real, and we're not trying to poo-poo advertising, that's for sure. Not at all. It pays the bills. But I think people understand that just be sensitive to it. And one of the things we were talking about is because we experienced talking with someone that had spent way too much money. In fact, they just didn't have, and it had created a lot of tension in the family as he had spent quite a bit of money buying gold. And he had paid, in his mind, too much for it. He couldn't, he had no recourse. It was not a state of Tennessee company. It was an out-of-state company. And he, he came to us and said, what can I do? And sad to say is there wasn't, we're, we're, we're going to help him, but we've got some ideas that we can help him, but it's not going to be able to solve his problem with the amount of money. Talk about gold, Scott. This is the, we get, we see this commercial, we hear about it. It's not new. This is not a new product that we're selling. It's been around a long time and it's very successful. So talk about what gold's doing. Yeah, well, let, let me say this before I say what I'm going to say. I am not. This is not meant to say in any way that that you shouldn't buy gold or gold's a bad investment or a good investment. This is not a recommendation to buy gold or to not buy gold. I wanted to say that from the outset. But we usually see an increase in solicitation and advertisements to buy gold that preys on people's fear based on a lot of these headlines and things going on. You know, the upcoming economic collapse or the trillions in debt the government keeps printing money to try to get out of political unheaval you know the stock market's going to crash all these kind of headlines usually lead to an increase in solicitation and advertisements to buy gold and you know you go back and look at 08 um, you know a lot of experts were predicting high inflation after the government was spending a lot of money then and then we saw over the the uh, the decade that followed that it was really hard for the fed to even get inflation up to their 2% target. So it, it's not, it's what I would like to say about it is, is these advertisements can cause an investor to be reactionary and then abandoning a long-term strategy and, and put, put all their money in gold at a time that may not be the most opportune for the, uh, for the uh, investor to do that. And we know both know that fear does sell and motivate people to do some things, maybe, and that reactionary mindset and gold, you know, is one of those that people use it as the headline because it's talking about that fear and that uh, and it motivates people. So we know that well, that's the problem there. You said you wouldn't you're not recommending it or to buy it or to sell it. And I think that's important. So owning gold, should a person own gold then for their overall investment strategy? Let's tie that together. Well, I think gold can be a complement to an overall investment strategy. Um, you know, the point is, if if owning gold or, or having that as part of a long term investment strategy makes you makes you feel good, or you feel like that makes good economic sense, then then by all means, that would be a reason to hold it in a well diversified overall strategy, overall investment strategy that's really designed to meet your long term goals. 
uh, again, it's it's what I, what I don't like to see is when people get reactionary and fearful about it and run to things like gold. <clears throat> and you tend to see herd behavior around times like that, which will uh, will likely push prices of assets up when you see herd behavior. So you may be buying in at a time that's not opportune. All right, Scott, you're a wise counselor, and I want to give you the last minute to just tell us what do you say to people who get caught up in the stress and the anxiety. I know the first thing you talk about is headlines and news stories cause stress. What do you tell people? They absolutely do. I think I think we just have to monitor our intake, and this goes for all of us. It's hard sometimes to to unplug and turn off the news and focus on you know, doing things with the family or getting exercise or a hobby, just, you know, get away from that, that cycle sometimes and, and let your mind, uh, um, you know, renew your mind and, and not stay so focused on everything the media is, uh, is pushing that can cause fear and anxiety. And also, you know, from any investment, we say this all the time, Jim, it's, it's stay focused on that long-term strategy. Have a strategy that's anchored to a, you know, financial plan. Your goals are defined. You know what you're trying to accomplish. Have a disciplined strategy and stick to it. Well, that makes makes a lot of sense. Emotions are the enemy of any good long-term investment strategy. So I appreciate you saying stay the course. That is so vital for us. You know, one of the things that I think so many people don't realize, that stress builds up over time, and that's when you see the fears, you know, kind of creep in, and they don't even realize it. Then they make that phone call. That starts the cycle. So thank you, Scott. Stay with us because when we come back, Scott, I want you to stay with us too. We're going to be talking with Drew Johnson. And one of the things that, that is so important when we ask Drew to join us is he's going to talk about how do you manage the money manager. And that's our job, looking at the money manager, know what they're doing, and spending the time with us. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. We've been talking with Scott Jordan. Drew Johnson's coming up. You're listening to Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And welcome back. My guest has been Drew Johnson. Where is Drew Johnson coming on the program right now? It has been Scott Jordan. And we've been talking about literally allowing the media to kind of get you into a moment of stress and anxiety and fear. And Scott, you just laid it out. You said emotions are the enemy of any good long-term investment strategy. Couldn't have said it better. I wish we could tell everybody that. Just literally watch your emotions, watch that, that we talk about that all the time, but it's so easy to get caught up in it. So thanks, Scott. Stay with us because I got Drew Johnson. He's joining us now in the program. Welcome to the program, Drew. Thank you for having me, Jim. Drew, one of the topics that we get asked about is what does an investment group like us, what do we do when it comes to managing fund managers? And so literally it's a question that it's shocked because we had a manager on last week and I, we talked about with Rusty Leonard. I said, Rusty, what does the manager do? Well, guess what? Somebody sent us a note, and one of his questions said, okay, what do you do? <laughs> and I appreciate the question because for so much it is, 
What does the manager do? And then who manages the manager? So my question, just right off the bat, is literally, what does it mean when we say manage the manager? Well, I'll tell you, it's a, it's really a full-time job. I mean, there are certain things that a fund that the manager manages has to do just to make the cut, just to make it to the list of what we'll consider, things like performance and risk, cost, asset size, those kinds of objective factors. But then, then you really get into more of the subjective factors. You want to look at how much experience does this manager have? Where did they get that experience? Uh, and then this one has become really important just as the fund sizes have ballooned is, is there a succession plan in place for that manager when they decide to retire? Or if, God forbid, there's an accident and there's a, a death of a manager, how much support do they get from their analysts? Those are all much more subjective factors that have to be considered very carefully in evaluating how a manager is doing. So now let's let's put this in so that everybody listening can understand this. We're talking about you who head up the investment committee at Shoemaker Financial. You're the analyst that does all the research. I mean, you put all the data together. And then there's eight people that sit around the table that make sure that when we're talking, and, and Scott, you can weigh in on this too because you're on the investment committee. We're not just saying, okay, throw a dart. That's the one we'll pick. You only looked at, say, 50, 60 different managers. And, I mean, you're talking about having to make the cut, as you said, to get to the point to even get to the table of having a discussion around this group. And all everybody has their own opinion. And so you're doing the analysis. And then there's seven other people weighing in on that analysis. Right. I mean, we I bring the information to the table from from what I've researched and learned from from the company. Uh, but then everyone else on the committee is they need to bring their own questions to it and see if they, it needs to be dissected further and, and and so on. And I know that is difficult to do. And I understand because there's, I mean, how do you keep all the information? current. I mean, it's, I mean, the, if they start to have an argument in that management firm, are we able, how do you manage all that stuff that's going on underneath the table? You know what I mean? That's just that nuance of a real management company. Well, you know, one of the benefits of, of working with a firm like us is that we're able to have direct contact with the managers of these funds. If we see uh, if we notice something that we think is a, a problem or, or just a point of concern, whether it's with the performance or whether it's with the succession plan, we're able to get on the phone with that manager and their team and, and talk those things out. Not just myself, one-on-one uh, -on -one with the manager, but with the whole investment committee, with the ability for them to ask questions directly of the manager on any topic that we think is important and to get answers from them. So when you say manage the managers, you're talking about doing an analytical work of what they're doing, their philosophy, what they're buying and selling, how often they're buying and selling, and then having the chance to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with that manager of the stocks or bonds that he's buying and what's going on inside that particular fund. Right, and, and that, that process may repeat itself a number of times before we get to a point where we feel comfortable making a decision whether to stay with the strategy or whether to exit it. Um, you know, the succession plan has is, is become a very important part of that whole process. But one of, the, one of the things that you really want to have on an investment committee is wide experience on that committee itself, knowing that when you've 
gone to, to the trouble of having those conversations with the fund manager, knowing how to spot potential red flags and answers. You know, you might hear something that may sound innocuous or unimportant, but it might actually be an important clue as to what's going on. So having experienced people on your team that, are, that can recognize that, that can help guide the discussion further so that you're really making an informed decision, which is what this is all about. That's a great point. Scott, you actually, we were in a meeting here recently, you talk about this often, that we listened to a manager that you could tell they were shifting a little bit or not quite moving in a direction that, that we thought they should be. Talk about that for me. Yeah, I, I was listening to, to, to what Drew was saying. And, and you know, it, it's so it's so true that, you know, we always look at the quantitative data and that's all great. But you know this, some of the fun changes we made over the last 12 months or some of the manager changes were as a result of our conversations with the managers and not hearing what they wanted to hear. And like you said, in one case, it was very much that they were kind of shifting in their philosophy a little bit, and we just were not comfortable with that. You know, we we put a manager in our portfolio in a place for a specific reason, and a lot of times we want them to stay that, that way for that specific reason. If we start to hear that they're shifting from that, that may be an indication that it's time to uh, make a change. And that wouldn't show up in the quantitative data necessarily. That's a good point. By the way, I want to tell everybody, if you would like to, you know, you can stream us online anytime at kwomradio.com. And, of course, you can listen to us on Facebook. Just simply go to your Facebook page at any time there. Just search for Shoemaker. And like us on the Facebook, just to go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. And, again, that we'd love for you to do that. My guest right now, Drew Johnson and Scott Jordan, still with us. We're talking about managing the managers. Now, I'm going to throw a word out, and I want both of you to weigh in on it. The word's fiduciary. And I want to say with you, Drew, let's go with fiduciary. The word means to do no harm. But, but, but your job is to do everything you can to know as much as you can possibly know about that manager who we're giving and entrusting clients dollars for him to manage. Talk about that. Well, the, the number one concept that you have to bear in mind with the fiduciary is that uh, our job as an investment committee is to act in the client's best interest. And so that means that, for example, if we're looking at, uh, at, at a fund manager, it can't just be that they've got a great idea and or they're they're a hot new hot shot on the market and they've had a great year or two it's got to it's got to involve more than that um it's it's got to involve a longer term track record of experience because we are entrusting the management of our clients money a portion of it to these managers our clients have entrusted the responsibility of determining who should manage their money to us and we take that very seriously and so the whole process has to be one that's done with the utmost caution and thoroughness. Scott, have we ever fired a manager? Well, give me the reasons why we might fire a manager. Well, so, sometimes we fire a team because a particular manager has left, and then sometimes it may be that they have, uh, like, like we said, changed their philosophy or we start to hear them waffling on the reasons like for instance maybe we see some underperformance and we're we're trying to dig into the reasons and we don't we don't hear them giving us the right reasons so they're kind of waffling on their answers and we don't hear that confidence in their in their strategy or policy or investment philosophy i think that's so critical because i think what you're saying you you got to listen between the lines i mean that's you know, when you're talking to a manager, sometimes they're trying to put their best foot forward, 
And I like what uh, Drew said earlier this morning when we were talking about this. The reality is you want as many ears listening to the manager and seeing if all the ears hear the same thing. And, Drew, I think that's so important. What are some of the other benefits when you start talking about entrusting managing the managers to a professional firm like us? What is the benefit that you see as critical? Well, the main benefit is that we're able to, to gather and bring information to the table that benefits the client in a much easier way for us than what most clients would be able to do on their own. I mean, a client could go about getting that information if they wanted to, but it would take a lot more work and a lot more time uh, that maybe they don't have to, to spend, maybe, and maybe that, we, that would be better spent doing other things. Um, we're able to do that. How many management? How many farm managers are we looking at? I mean, mutual funds. You may have mutual funds with two or more managers. You may have a mutual fund family, a whole group, but we're only using one fund group out of that group. How many do we actually look at on a on a regular basis? Uh, on a regular basis, about 60 of those. And some of those are faith-based that you look at, and some, some of are, our clients want faith-based management. Some and are. so that's what we're looking for from that standpoint. We have relationships with these people because we've spent time with them. That's right. But we're still willing to pull the string if we need to. That's right. We can, and, and, we, and we have recently, as Scott, as Scott mentioned. Scott, is there something you want to add to this? I mean, the reality is, you know, when you think about managing the managers, the fiduciary responsibility, close it out. What do you see? Well, you know, I think that, you know, the it comes down to it, there's a lot of time that goes into this. So I would say to the individual investor out there, you know, do you have the time to do all this research? Do you have the the, the talent or the expertise to know how to do the research? And then the most important is do you have the temperament to stick with that strategy for the long term? And I Amen. think that's where our service of managing those managers can bring a lot of value. That's critical. And I would just say make sure that you're working with the fiduciary. Uh, that's a good point, too. Of course, investments will fluctuate. Everybody knows that. When redeemed, they may be worth more or less when originally invested. And the S&P, as an unmanaged index to 500 large-cap stocks, cannot invest in an index. You've been listening to KWAM, the mighty 990 FM 107.9. And, of course, AM 990. I want to thank my guests, Margaret Lawrence, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan. I just they were reading it in the wrong order. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It, you know how it goes. If you have questions for Margaret, you can reach her at 861-1189. Of course, these two guys, you can talk to them at 757-5757. Next week. We're going to talk about estate planning basics and some special needs planning. That's Wednesday again at 9 a.m. next Wednesday and again on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock right here on the Mighty 990 KWAM. It's we're here every week. Join us. This is Jim Shoemaker and Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.